I have all that time and I'm not ready to actually start speaking when the music ends. Imagine that. Yeah. You see, you see my shocked face? <laughs> you know, I was listening to, so I was listening to our intro music there and uh, there's one, you know, we've got, we've got a clip at the very beginning from the movie Dune. Right. That was released in the early eighties and you know, they're making a set, they're making, they're remaking the film. It's going to come out this October. Yeah, yeah. It's going to come out this, in October. This is going to be like the what the third? No, there was an eight. There was a, a sci-fi version of Dune that was made a couple of a few years back. Uh, gosh, quite a bit, about ten years ago. So this is so there was a movie. Then there was like a made-for-TV sci-fi miniseries, and now they're remaking the the movie based on the book Dune by Frank Herbert. Okay. A fantastic book, by the way. Uh, and today I heard that, so they're supposed to create, they're, they're trying to make the movie in two parts. So it's, they're taking this really big book, breaking it into making two movies, one and two. Okay. So the first part of the book, the first part of the book is going to, as a film is going to release in October of this year. And then the second one, they're going to start pre-production soon. And then that one will release a few years down the line. But I heard from the, I was reading this article today about the second movie which is the second half of the book. And I got some distressing news about that. Uh, the director said that he's anxious to portray the character Chani, Chaney, however you say it, C-H-A-N-I, um, as the main character, as the main protagonist of the second film. And I thought, so they're just going to completely abandon the book because yeah. Chani is not the main character in the second half of the book. Why? Why would they why would they do that? Your guess is as good as mine. My guess is because they want to be woke. I don't know. I have no idea why. I, what the I, hell does that have to do with it? I, I, okay, I'm sorry. You, go ahead. Continue. So well, Hollywood is Hollywood is, you know, woke signaling and they're they're virtue signaling every time they turn around and you know, I think this is another we'll we'll have to wait and see. And I so here's the here's the problem though. The the director, I think, is a good director. I, I like the movies that he he makes. He made the the last or the most recent Blade Runner film, which uh, which I adore. <clears throat> he made a movie called Um Arrival, which I really enjoy. So he's a I think he's a good director. I think the film, this even the second film could be a really great film, but it's not gonna be like the book if he puts Chani as the main character. So uh <clears throat> No, I'm a little disappointed. Yeah, disappointed. Fired. Get Peter Jackson. 
<laughs> I'll have I am see. not saying Peter Jackson is the best director under the sun, but mm-hmm. um, you have to appreciate what he did with the Lord of the Rings series because I think that literally, I mean, he was he was true enough to the books that I don't yeah. think he pissed off all the Tolkien fans out there, right. and right. he appealed to people who'd never read the books. Yeah. in a way that sucked them into the world like they've always known it, as if they had always known it. So and, I thought you know, that, that was phenomenal. And you know, people people then retort with, well, he he failed with The Hobbit. And, and my retort to them bringing up The Hobbit is this. Yes, The Hobbit, the three Hobbit movies were not as good as the Lord of the Rings movie. I think everybody agrees sure. on that. But when you realize that Peter Jackson never storyboarded the three Hobbit films, he basically just did his homework the night before and made three films. Keeping in mind that any other director filming that way would have created a pile of crap. And Peter Jackson basically mailing it in created three films that were not half bad. Um, All, you know, everything being equal if he had taken the time and approached them in a more methodical planning method of planning the interactions and the stories and, and the storyboarding and all that, we could have gotten something amazing. Oh, but sure. as it was, you know, the Hobbit, the Hobbit films for the most part were, were, were decent fantasy films. They weren't great. They're not my favorite movies, but they were decent for somebody who was just mailing it in. So I give, you know, kudos to Peter Jackson for that. Well, yes and no, I'm sorry. I, I don't know. Don't mail it in. Just well, don't he shouldn't mail have mailed it in. it in. You're absolutely right. He shouldn't have mailed it in. He shouldn't. But when he did, you're like, hmm, eh, it's not bad. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine know. what it could have been if you'd have shown up, turd. Right. Right. <laughs> Jackass. So, asshole. Yeah. Right. Ruined it. You ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> My precious. Seriously. Um, I, I have something that I, I want to read. So we are going to get into... Well, let me take a step back. The last three episodes, we have been talking about a book called For Women Only, which dives into the mind of us men in relationships. And it's written as a communication to women so that they can better understand the men in their lives. Uh, And tonight we're going to switch gears uh, and we're going to get into the book called For Men Only, which unpacks the female brain for us dudes. Uh, And uh, this was kind of an eye opener for me, uh, and I think maybe for you, I know you've been reading the book. I finished it already, uh, but uh, there's some really interesting things where I thought, oh, hmm, wow. So we're going to unpack that as two dudes who know absolutely nothing, uh, sharing our perspective on it for the masses. Hey, before mm-hmm. we do any of that, you want to mm-hmm. intro the show? Oh, yeah, might as well. <laughs> I was, I was trying to stop you. Hey, stop. yeah, mine, mine as well, uh, because there is something that I want to read to you that I found today. Uh, and I'm not even going to talk about Afghanistan shit show um, and the uh, complete fire and epic failure that is happening. Thank you, Biden, over in the Middle East. We won't even talk about it. I'm not even going to talk about it. We'll save that for another date. But welcome to another episode of the Fusion Underground. This is actually episode number 64. And here at the Fusion Underground, what we try to do is we try to make sense of the world by having principled discussions about such topics as entertainment, current events, politics, and culture. Our mission is to educate people to become critical thinkers so they can live more empowered and happier lives. As always, I'm your host, Manuel Ramirez, and I'm joined in the virtual studio as always by the one, the only, the magnificent, the Trojan horse, Jason Moret. How are you doing, brother? Dude, Trojan horse, that's hurtful. (laughs) 
<laughs> you could have called me War Machine and it would have sounded <laughs> epic, but he said Trojan. That's I'm I'm good, brother. How are you? Love you. Yeah, love you. <laughs> Turd. Turd. <laughs> Turd Ferguson. Did you ever see those? Of course. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so okay. So here's I want to read this to you. This is okay. just something that I found. Uh, online and it's a rant this is a rant uh and this was written by not me not me yeah <laughs> not not me not you uh and uh well okay i'm, I'm just gonna i'm gonna read this and i want to see what uh what you what you think of all this because i don't understand half of this probably three quarters of it so here it goes. It okay. Says, okay. It's like an article and it says, my husband isn't cheating on me. That's the, that's the title. Well, that's good. That's One good. last thing. Yeah. We're talking about relationships here. Remember, so <laughs> yeah. we're talking about relationships yes. here. Yeah. It's pertinent. Yeah. When we started dating 13 years ago, I laid down a simple request. If you ever fall in love with someone else, I said to him or want to be with someone else, just tell me we can talk it over and figure it out from there. Just don't lie to me. And after 12 years, he came to the realization that he was in love with someone else. We talked it over. He still loves me and wants to be with me. He just also has feelings for someone else. And I'm fine with it. Uh-huh. It took a lot of conversations and self-reflection on both our ends, but we ended up deciding to open up our relationship. We say that we're poly, but that's not entirely accurate. I'm an ethically non-monogamous pansexual who is romantically mono. Now, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> that means in today's culture, uh -huh. uh, we have a couple who believes that that is absolutely acceptable and they've figured out a title to make it seem acceptable and appropriate poach so that they can live people so they uh -huh. can live with the shame or guilt or uh, whatever yeah. it is, the <clears throat> negative emotions that they're already. I think you're probably right. onto something there. Um, she goes on, she continues here. He's poly in relationships, but is demisexual, practically gray ace. What the hell is gray ace? Who, who knows? I don't even know. Practically? Practically? Most practically, practically gray ace. I don't know what that means. And to top it off, I platonically adore the woman he is in love with. She's smart, driven, funny, and just a blast to be around. I would say that she's become one of my closest friends. And after giving it a lot of thought, I'd be okay with her being in a relationship with him, except that she's not interested. She's asexual and aromantic. She knows about his feelings, but doesn't reciprocate them. She still sees him as a friend. They just took a weekend trip together, but her love for him is just platonic. I jokingly dubbed her his platonic mistress, and we've kind of latched on to the idea, though he still openly holds a torch for her. As is, their relationship is unlikely to change. But it really pains me to see him pine for her like he does. I want to see him happy, but he's so torn apart about his guilt for being in love with her, not being able to fully express his feelings or let them go, and so saddened that he is just another friend to her. Feel, feel like there's nothing I can do but listen. <clears throat> her arrow slash aceness isn't likely to change, and I can't just tell him to stop loving someone. I have no idea what arrow aceness is. No, I, who no, knows? No, no idea. <clears throat> and no. then my family is getting their collective britches in a bunch over their trip this weekend. 
Now, she said that they went on a weekend past tense. They just took a weekend trip together is what she said two paragraphs prior. Now she's saying they're getting ready to go on their, on their weekend trip. I don't know if it's, we're talking about the same trip or he just loves going away and going on this trip. I'm actually wondering, maybe they're lying to, to her. Maybe she thinks they're not banging, but they really are banging. I don't know. But let me finish this last one. <clears throat> then she says, we aren't openly poly, but I thought you were. I keep getting pitied glances and visibly held tongues. They, her family, they think he's cheating on me. And I don't have the slightest clue how to explain the situation in a way they'll understand. He is cheating on you. He's in love with somebody else. Yeah. Whether or not, whether or not. Just because that hasn't, right. Come to fruition in a physical expression of intimacy is irrelevant. He's still cheating on you. He is cheating on you. Yeah. Um, Think they think he's cheating on me and I don't have the slightest clue how to explain the situation in a way they'll understand. Even if she wasn't arrow ace, again, whatever, I wouldn't have a problem with them being on a trip together or on dates or what have you. I trust him. Everything is laid out on the board, clear as day. And that's all I ever wanted. Thank you for listening to my Ted talk. That's it. Um, there seems to be a lot of denial going on or happy denial oh. denialing that's going on uh, so they don't have to face facts of what is happening emotionally to them. Uh, yeah. And I will say, <clears throat> I read this book that we're about to talk about and nowhere in that book does it explain this kind of crazy talk. No, no. And I was I actually was going to jokingly say, poor girl, she needs Jesus. But she doesn't need Jesus. She does. Yeah, absolutely. She <clears throat> needs Jesus. Uh, <clears throat> I, I really. Or something. I feel for them, but I just can't reach that far. I, 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 I don't know what else to say. I, yeah. If you are that clueless as to understand why your family, who loves you because they're family, why you can't explain that to them? There's a reason, right? Because it's re- it's wrong. asinine, borderline, retarded behavior, right? I think people understand fundamentally deep down inside that this is wrong behavior, and and she can't explain it well because because she knows it's, it's not wrong. explainable because it's not explainable that this this is contra to everything that exists in our nature as human beings and loving relationships, and so she's. I think she's feeling that negativity that she's feeling that sense of shame and confusion. And this is, this is a feeble attempt. Her writing all this down, this is a feeble attempt to try to square it with her own mind. And she's feeling miserable at it. Mm -hmm. This doesn't lead to happiness. And I can, I can tell she genuinely loves her husband. I, I, that's, that's Mm -hmm. plainly obvious because if she didn't, there's no way you would tolerate this kind of crap. Right. And I'm sorry, my wife loves me. I believe that she wouldn't tolerate that crap. And I wouldn't want her to not in a million years. There is no way that there is any kind of situation where that ends well. No, no way. That just lead. That's just, that's heading over a cliff. Yeah. That's heading over a cliff. Anyway, I had to share that with you because. Well, thank you for that. I appreciate it. I don't know what a gray ace is. I don't know what an arrow ace is. I don't um, know what half that crap was. If I had to take a stab at it, I would say uh-huh. that's somebody who likes to be in a heterosexual re- monogamous relationship. Period. With other people. <laughs> With, 
a man who wants to be with one female and that's it or a female who wants to be with one dude and that's it right right they're deluding themselves uh yeah so let's so let's talk about let's let's switch gears and talk about for men only yeah let's talk about that (laughs) so this was a good book this was uh this was this was a good book and this was a really interesting and eye-opening experience for me when I read it. Uh, and they followed a very similar methodology with the first book. So to kind of bring people back on board and kind of give you, for those of you who have not listened to our first, our, our first three episodes, when we talked about the for women only, um, I'll just kind of reiterate it here. What they did was they created uh, a survey and they used professionals who understand how to write survey questions. There's a, there's an art form to doing this. People might scoff, but there is a very specific art form to try to eliminate bias or to try to avoid leading a responder, a, a respondent into answering a certain way. So you, you have to really understand what it is you're trying to get at and not lead the respondent down a path that you want them to go. Uh, and that's a that's a skill set that takes a lot of time of rewriting it. Anyway, they created this survey, tons of questions on there, and they gave the survey to thousands of thousands of women, tens of thousands of women took took it, uh, and then they were also interviewing. They were doing focus groups, so they collected a lot of data. They were triangulating a lot of their conclusions, and I think they did a really uh, a pretty decent job. I haven't. They don't go into a lot of detail on their methodology, but they explain enough so that you understand their data collection. Uh, their data collection methods. So anyway, um, so we got all that out of the way. Okay, so this is this is really a, a pretty decent scholarly attempt to understand what goes on in women's heads. So, like in the first book, they had eight um, revelations, mm-hmm. right? In this one, they have seven. So yes. there are seven revelations here. And we'll kind of, we'll go through these quickly and then we'll dive into at, at length at the, in the first chapter and kind of go from there. Yeah. So <clears throat> the first one, our surface understanding, we got our surface understanding and then what that really means in practice. Okay. So the first one was she needs to feel loved. We all kind of figured that as guys we're like, okay, yeah, we kind of sure. get that. She needs sure. to feel loved. Right. She needs to feel loved. But what that means in practice is even if your relationship is great, your mate likely has a fundamental insecurity about your love. And when that insecurity is triggered, she may respond in ways that confuse or upset you until she feels until she feels reassured. This gentleman explains why your woman becomes crazy. Yes. I'm sorry. (laughs) If you wanted more, um, I had nothing because, it, but, but in all actuality, this, I, I will preface this. I actually, uh, th- I'm still stuck in chapter in this revelation right now in my huge. own reading. Right. This, this is, is huge, monstrous. And it is, it creates cognitive dissonance in me trying to read it and trying to rationalize it because for me as a guy, what if, if I tell you the sky is blue, it should not take more than maybe twice for that to sink in. But right. for and this is I'm not picking, I'm I'm noticing a simple fact. For women, they have to be reassured constantly that in fact the sky is blue. Really, yeah. just like yesterday, still today. And now we struggle with that. As dudes, we struggle with that. We're like, why do I have to keep telling you? Yes, and we get 
frustrated with that. And guys, yeah. I'm telling you right now, will you get frustrated with reassuring your wife of umpteen years? Oh, keeping in mind, time served means nothing. There's no such thing as time served. Your years no. of experience and your relationships matters nada. Right. So for me, my wife and I have been together for 23 years and I'm going, well, honey, I'm right here. I haven't gone anywhere. I've never strayed from you ever. I never will. Of course I love you. But to her, it's, well, you haven't shown me that today. Yeah. <laughs> and therefore you might stop. You may, you have must stopped. not. And right. we're and our relationship is in <laughs> peril and I'm going, Oh my God. I actually just talked to my wife about this. Sorry, honey. I got to, I, I got to go through this for a guy's perspective. I just went through this last night. I said, honey, do you really worry about our relationship? Like all the time, like multiple times a day or week. And she goes, yeah. And I'm like, really? Yeah. <laughs> she goes, don't you? And I'm like, no, <laughs> actually this is, so here's the big dichotomy difference. And this, this really clicked for me, but it, I had to stop reading and I had to just cut it off. And I'm like, okay, I really got to let this process for me. All of the other aspects of my life are in constant flux and turmoil. Always. Yeah. Everything's yeah. bound to change. The only rock I have is my relationship with my wife. That's it. Everything and yes, else. And now she's telling you that it's a well, shaky ground. But that's my rock. That's my right, stability. And it's not as stable as you think it is. Her, everything is in turmoil because our relationship never is. And I just, I'm like, that is exhausting for me. I can't, I can't, I can't wrap my head around that. It, it hurts <laughs> my brain. Seriously, I, 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 I blew a fuse last night just reading that and trying to wrap my head around it. It's, it's crazy. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, what, what, we got six more to talk about. So oh, yeah, yeah. hold, okay. hold that a little bit because we're going to dive okay. into that in just a minute. Okay. okay. Right. The next revelation, our surface understanding is that women are emotional. I think all men would be like, oh, God. Really? The choir no, on this one. really? no kidding. You needed, <laughs> you, needed thousands, you needed thousands of survey responses to find out that women are emotional. Yes. But what that means in practice is women deal with multiple thoughts and emotions from their past and present and from their past and present all the time at the same time. And these can't be easily dismissed. Yes. Simultaneously. That is overwhelmingly important. Right. We can't, men can't think about two things at once. Right. We can't, it, it makes us go cross-eyed in our, you, have, you remember the mission impossible? I think it was three where they had the brain bombs and the brain, the bomb went off in their brain and it went, you know, and they, their eyes all went all. I did not watch just, that film. You didn't watch that? Okay. I did not watch that film. Check that scene out. You watch the girl's face when the brain, when the hurt bomb goes off inside her noggin and her face goes all, you know, her eye limps off to the it's side. like Mars attacks when they hear the little yeah, yeah. whistling or whatever, or the music and their heads explode. Right. That's what happens to dudes when we try to have multiple thoughts yeah. at the same <laughs> time. Yeah. Women do that with thoughts, but all of their thoughts are tied to emotions and they do that at the same time across 
generations of experience. Just talking about that makes my ears bleed a little bit. Right. Makes me, yeah, makes me exhausted. The, The third revelation here is our surface understanding is she's impossible to figure out. (laughs) Absolutely. She's impossible to figure out. My uncle used to say that women's logic can be described as an angular attack at reverse. (laughs) And I was like, I was like, wait a minute, what? And he said, yes, exactly. An angular attack, attack at reverse. reverse. Right. (laughs) I dig it. So, but what that means in practice is that there is usually a logical reason behind her baffling words or actions and behavior that confuses or frustrates you often signals a need she's asking you to meet. Say that. Yeah, let me read that again. There is usually a logical reason behind her baffling words or actions and behavior that confuses or frustrates you often signals a need she's asking you to meet. We'll talk a little bit about that one when we get there. Okay. Um, the next one, the fourth one is women want security. In other words, financial security. That's what we tend to think on the surface. Right. They want financial security. But what that means in practice is your woman needs emotional security and closeness with you so much that she will endure financial insecurity to get it. That was huge for me. That was a big yeah. eye opener for yeah. me. We'll talk about that one later. The next one is she doesn't want you to fix it. She just wants you to listen. That's the surface thing. What it means in practice is when she is sharing an emotional problem, her feelings and her desire to be heard are much more important than the problem itself. Now, I sort of knew this one. I knew about it from the surface level, but reading it really kind of opened my eyes at a more in-depth level of what that actually meant. See, and this one is is tough for me because, yes, like you, I, I... understand it on a surface perspective but as a guy i've always been told dude take your emotions out of it look at it completely logically fix the problem move on right because as men your emotions cloud the issue right all the time so And and as guys we're geared towards solving and doing and taking action right men of action fix it right fix it yeah okay The next one here is, this is the sixth one. She doesn't want sex much, which means she must not want me. That's the surface. That's what exists on the surface. And I felt that a lot. I've felt that a lot in in the past. Um, What that means in practice is physically, women tend to crave sex less often than men do. And it is usually not related to your desirability. I wish I would have known that one a long time ago. Why would that have changed something for you? Well, it would have changed. Well, it would have changed something. Yeah, probably. Perhaps, potentially. Yeah. Perhaps, maybe. Perhaps, maybe. (laughs) Almost, sort of, kind (laughs) of. Okay. (laughs) The next one here is she wants to look attractive. That's what it is on the surface, the surface understanding. But what that means in practice is inside your smart, secure wife lives a little girl who deeply needs to know that you find her beautiful and that only you and that you only have eyes for her. This was really an eye opener, eye opening chapter for me as well in the end. And we'll, we'll, we'll get to, we'll talk about that one. So let's, let's dive into the first thing. What I like about this book is they present all of this as like, here's what women are thinking about. And then they also, they, they circle back and say, now here's what you can do about it, which I really like. 
which so, is really helpful and especially <laughs> at the end of the chapter when your yeah. eyes are cross-eyed and you're drooling yeah. yeah it's like remember in math class and algebra class you know you'd look at the back of the book and it was the and the even numbers were gave you the answers and you really hoped that your homework problems were always even we're so always you could even flip and see yeah. the answers yeah. yeah this is that way the, the, this book because you know we're dumb now and as adults so we need to see the problem and be told what the solution is right i appreciate that Yes, because obviously figuring it out on my own up to this point has right. not worked. Right. <laughs> <laughs> See, Could you uh, imagine if they only gave us half the half? It's yeah. like, okay, now what am I supposed to do? Now what? Yeah. Figure it out there, dum dum. <laughs> yeah. See, see chapter three, impossible to yeah. figure out. Well, thank you very much. I'm just going to go dig a hole and crawl in it. Right. So the first chapter, let's get into this one. The deal is the deal, the chat, or oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. The chapter is actually titled The Deal is Never Closed. Right. <laughs> so uh, even, and here I'm reading from the book here. It says, even if your relationship is great, your mate likely has a fundamental insecurity about your love. And when that insecurity is triggered, she may respond in ways that confuse or upset you until she feels reassured. So we just, we just mentioned that. You're never closing the deal, guys. This is the main thing, right? So when you go up to that altar and you say, I do to your, to your beloved and you say, I do, you cannot think that we're done. We're together. All of my pursuing ends. There's now comes the phase of reassurance. It is a never ending cycle of reassurance that happens daily every day every day mm -hmm. so yeah yeah this is um i think a lot of guys we men in general when we run a race we've always got our eye on the finish line so we run that race we cross the finish line um we do whatever we have to to win sorry that sometimes gets dirty but we cross that finish line and we spread the arms back and boom, we tag the ribbon and we stand up on the podium and we put the blue ribbon on and the gold and we smile and the picture's taken. And then we want to go home and go, ah, and relax and enjoy the feast that is to come and bask in the glory that we won the race. Come to find out, no, that was only the first lap. Right. And you can take a rest. Sure. But it's time to get back up and run <laughs> it all over in. again. And yeah. what I, my first reaction in reading this was like, oh my gosh, this is exhausting. Why? Why can't women just understand that the pursuit and we've, we, won, we won and the victory is ours? And I had to stop myself. If I really, after reading for women only, want women to try to make the effort to understand and change behavior to match what I need, then I have to do the exact same for women in reading the for men only book and understand that this is not something that my wife or any woman can change. It's about how they are wired, who they are as women. Right. And she needs from me to be emotionally reassured frequently that right. I'm still actively pursuing her as my partner in life. Yeah. 
And why is that so damn hard? Is that really that much to ask from me? Well, the easy answer is no. But how do we do that? Right, because because even if you say to her, I love you, she doesn't necessarily feel it. No. So even if you meant it, but you know, we kind of get very casual with when we say I love you and we'll say, hi, honey, I love you as you're walking out the door to go to work or wherever. Mm. Right. But that doesn't necessarily mean she feels it. Yes. It's nice to say the words. It's almost like a, a quick prayer, you know, or whatever, but <laughs> you know, where's, what's the, where's the emotion behind it? What was surprising about this chapter to me is how is, is the understanding. And they say it here in the book, how easy it is for her to not feel loved. Right. Right. And there's this, there's this latent insecurity within women that they're always questioning, does my husband, does my spouse, does he continue, does he love me still? Yep. And, and would he continue to pick me? Well, and, and even, and you I, know, I, oh, good. Which I, well, let me finish this one thought because yep. I think that's fascinating because I've always given women the credit of picking, picking us. Like we just, you know, well, I, I can't blame my wife for this. She didn't know what she was getting into. So, and, and she so still I, picked you, right? I mean, she, no, she in, said, yes, that's not picking. <laughs> that's agreeing. Right. But we, so, but we throw that we cast the line right in the hopes that somebody will come along and grab the other end of that line. And, and, but, but here it's not like we're tricking them. Like we're out there and they pick it up and they're like, yeah, I'll, I'll go with you. I'll choose you from, you know, going forward. And for me, that's always boggled my mind. I fish all the time. Never once have I pulled a trout in that looked at me and said, oh, okay, I'm good with this. Every (laughs) time they always look defeated and confused and like, no, this can't be. (laughs) So I want to reassure my fish. (laughs) <laughs> yes you want to reassure your this face this is gonna be a good thing in so, the long run <laughs> here, here's a here's a couple of things that that uh that i thought were really that were really fascinating um i'm not going to read these questions for you so guys as you're listening here um because this is always i know i know every single dude who has a girlfriend or a wife has felt this at some point many times in the course of even a single week I guarantee it. Okay. So have you ever wondered why she asks, do you love me? Even though you've done nothing to indicate you've changed your mind about loving her. What, why? What's going on? What's happening? Right. What's going on? <laughs> have you ever wondered why she takes your need for space or cave time as an indication that you're upset with her and trying to get away from her? I don't know. I'm in my cave. I don't know what she's thinking about. Right. But then she's like giving you the cold shoulder and all this kind of thing. You know, you're like, what the hell? Oh, you're back inside now? Okay. Right. Cool. Well, I'm going to bed now. I'm like, right. Okay. Okay. (laughs) As it drips with venom from her mouth. Yeah. I'm in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Have you ever wondered why she wants to talk, talk, talk about your relationship, especially at the times you least want to? Well, no, no, no. Hold on. We have to be fair. And, and I, I need to ask a follow-up question uh-huh. and I'll ask it directly of you on behalf of all men. Okay. Has there ever been a time in your relationship where you've actually wanted to talk about your relationship? I didn't say willing. I said, <laughs> want. <laughs> I see you struggling. So let me, 
You know, uh, for, I, I think I think for I think men and women interpret that differently. I agree with you. And and I think I but I understand a little bit now why. Yeah. And so let me chime in here for just okay. a second. Right. Men, when we when our when we hear our wives say that they want to talk about our relationship, we automatically go, "Oh God, what's going on? We're in trouble. Our relationships right. in crisis. Right. What's happening? We need to fix it. What ha- what I do? What I was uh, you know I've been doing anything." Yeah. Women want to talk about it because by talking about it, it brings the relationship closer together, and that. Right re-secure it it creates a sense of security in them about the relationship itself it's a positive thing and a reassuring thing and a warm and comforting thing for women for men it's very danger danger will robinson you know and we're running around like this in our brain you know oh god what do we do right it's it's the same kind of question when your wife comes to you and says honey have you driven the car lately What's the matter with it? What's the matter (laughs) with it? Is it making a noise? What's it doing? Is Is there a light on on the dash? I mean, is it, you know, (laughs) is it pulling to the side? Is the, is the steering wheel jiggly or, you know, what's going on? Is it making noise? Where's the car? (laughs) (laughs) No. Right. She just wants to talk about it. Yeah. And yeah, we, we immediately go to worst case scenario and then we're, we're back. Go ahead. So as, as a guy, I have no problem just sitting and talking about anything. Um, and, and for me, that's how I interpret talking about our relationship. Right. Um, but that's not always the case with women. They want to literally talk about the relationship and that's, that part kind of can make me very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, because as soon as you want to talk about the relationship, like the car analogy, I'm immediately thinking, oh shit, something's wrong. What the hell did I do? And and, you know, if I'm in the middle of my day, I don't, I, as a guy, I feel like there, when you approach me and wanting to talk about the relationship, I feel like something is wrong. And when something is wrong, I think a lot of men immediately go on the defensive because we don't know what we yeah. did. So wait a minute, you want to talk about a relationship? What did I do now? What right. did I do now right. that you need to talk to me? You know, what, what part, what have, what have I screwed up this time? I think, I think a lot of us go to that kind of place and and we create conflict just by doing that because of the way we interpret those, that need that women have is honey, you know, they want to talk about a relationship and it's a, it's a positive thing for them mm-hmm. in many cases, but for us, it's like, something's wrong. What did I do? God damn it. I can't do anything. Right. I was, I was really thinking long and hard about this particular point. And you know what, gentlemen out there listening to us, because I know most of our audience are, are mostly guys. So I think we're we're in safe company. If you really want to see your wife just take a 180 flip, next time she says, hey, I want to talk to you about us. Or do you want to? Or can you? Or will you? Go, absolutely. Let's do that. And turn the TV off and turn and actually show some genuine interest. I guarantee you. You're going to almost mentally derail her immediately because you have already had years of precedence where you don't want to talk about it. And she was prepared to come to you and see you melt down. Yeah. Showing her some genuine interest in your, in you too. You're probably going to throw her way the heck off, but you'll probably have a much more productive and open discussion where there's really no danger. Right. Right. 
there's really no danger. Actually, if anything, there's nothing but positive to be gained out of that. And this is tough. I know I'm saying that very easily. Sure. You just got home from working an eight hour day and busting your butt and everybody's questioning you. And if you're anything like in my job, you're constantly under attack or feeling like you are always on the defensive. And all you want to do is get home, finish eating dinner, crack a beer, turn on the TV and half wash it and let your brain go into la la land. Um, and the last thing you want to do is talk about your relationship. Right. But that's the only time that you and her have. Right. When else is she going to be able to ask you? So, right. You know what? Sacrifice that good 20 minutes. Call it an hour. I don't care. I guarantee you that will probably pay off in bigger dividends than you might think. <laughs> right. So they, they go on here and ask a couple more. They say, have you ever wondered why she seems to turn critical or angry with you for no reason you can figure? Every day. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever wondered why she gets crabby or emotional and seems to push you away, but then gets even more unhappy when you stay away. <laughs> get out. No. Why are you leaving? Don't leave. Because you told me to no, get out. I, no. Actually, this, <laughs> th that particular example, I laughed at because my wife and I have joked about that for years now. We've actually gotten at least that one to the point. You know what? I don't even want to look at you. All right, fine. Hey, don't go anywhere. I'm not done with you yet. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah yeah have you ever wondered why she gets upset or wants to punish you for spending time with the guys or doing other things away from her no i know all the of the all of the dudes who play games feel that run right now because mm -hmm. you go to play a game you go away to your buddy's house to play games or whatever and uh whether it's it doesn't matter whether it's poker or whether it's Call of Duty, anything like that. She's punishing you for spending time yep. away from her. Mm -hmm. Because you're choosing other people and other things instead of yep. her. Right. Simply. So <clears throat> they asked, they, they asked this interesting, uh, this question. So throughout the book, they put, they put examples of the types of survey questions that they asked. And so this is this is one of the questions that they asked under this category. Under what circumstances do you think about your relationship, whether it is going well or how your husband's significant other feels about you? So here's what women said. 19% of women said, it's something I'm conscious of most of the time. She's thinking about it most of the time. 50% said, it's often occasionally in the back of my mind. Wow. Yeah. 16. So basically 69% of women are thinking about this on a periodic basis. And yeah, the this question comes up in their head very regularly, right? The question becomes define often occasionally mm -hmm. <laughs> because that may not be every day, but it may certainly be every other day. Yeah. Multiple times a week. Right. Yeah. 20% <clears throat> of women said only when we are in a really difficult season of our relationship season. What is, is this? <laughs> it's back just like winter. You know? <laughs> That's, uh, you know, wow. Okay. And then 12% said never. Yeah. Uh, those, yeah. Okay. Yeah, they're newlyweds. <laughs> <laughs> or they're really old. 
or really <laughs> old. Yeah. Well, Harold's been dead for 20 years, so right, it really right. doesn't come up. Okay, you know. thanks. <laughs> so, so, but the the takeaway here is is the is the majority of women are thinking about their relationship uh, all the time, whether it is going well or not, and how your husband feels about you. She's always wondering about that. And I, th- this is this is where I had to I had to take a a, a mental break. I, again, for me, I don't. I don't think about our relationship much. And I really don't. I, I you know, if we're going through a, a, you know, we had an argument the night before, or I don't know, maybe I, I left the house in a tiff in the morning. Yeah, that might come up. But most of the time I get busy and work and that's what I'm focused on. I don't think yeah. about that. Yeah. Ladies. Oh, excuse me. Men brothers, bros, (laughs) hear me. Your significant other is thinking about your relationship multiple times a day and week all the time. Think about that. Here's, here's a different insight. Think about that at all. So it's, I'm sorry, go ahead. ahead. I just want to add this in here because this is going to throw a whole monkey wrench into what you're talking about. So they actually took this question and they, they answered it in another way. They, they asked it in another way. Okay. And they got an even stronger response from the, from the change. And what they found was four out of five women acknowledged sometimes feeling insecure about their man's love and their relationship, four out of five among women under 45, the percentage jumped to 91%. That's insanity. And among those with children in middle school or younger, it was almost universal. Yeah. Yeah. Dude. That's insane. Bros. <laughs> Fellas, your lady is wondering if you still love her all the all, time. All the time. Now, for a guy like me, I'm always expecting my wife to go, okay, you know what? I've had enough of your crap. I'm out. I'm the one always going, I don't know how I manage that, but I'm just so glad I did because I, I, I don't want to have to do this all over again, but to think that my wife is actually thinking about whether or not I love her or we're going to survive or our relationship is going to, and that she thinks about this all the friggin' time. I mean, that's just, mind-boggling right. to me right I I, I I i don't have words i don't so, have words so again brothers remember you may have bought her flowers yesterday but what, what have, have you, you done, done for me lately sh- what have you done to show her today that you still love her because the flowers that was yesterday remember this is an ongoing record that's playing and they put it really well remember guys how you have that un that constant nagging you know, motor that's running in your head about how you have to provide for your family. It's always ticking. It's always in the back of your mind, keeping you up late at night. Am I providing for my family? Am I providing for women feel women have that exact same motor, but it's this insecurity about feeling loved. Yep. So you got to bring your a game and you have to be thinking, what have I done to show my wife that I love her today? Yep. And this is not words. 
this is the, okay. Okay. So I got to right. add this, right? Men operate on a black and white logical face value set of behavior. If I say, Hey honey, I love you. And that's <laughs> it. That does not convey emotion, which is going to translate to her that you truly do. You have to show her and make her feel that you do. And guys, I know that sounds exhausting, but she's worth it. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a paragraph here and I want to read it. It's, it's real short here. A sentence. Um, while, while she is thinking about this, and this was really surprising to me while she's constantly thinking about, you know, does he still love me? Is he still going to pick me all the, all of this stuff? The authors go on to say this, almost every woman I asked said that she cared about her man so much that when this relational insecurity was triggered, it was very painful, sometimes almost debilitating, and it became difficult, if not impossible, for her to get it off her mind. As several women put it, when we're at odds, nothing is right with the world until it is resolved. <laughs> What do you do with that as guys? What are you, what are you supposed to do with that? Like, how can I? <laughs> that's, I, a, that's a heavy burden to bear. I, I don't understand what boggles my mind is how do, how do women, how do they, how do they move through life? I'm, I'm in, awe. I'm, I'm saying this in, in, in the most sincerest form of awe. Yeah. Well, and, and I, I went back to before, the, like we talked about, ma male and female brains are wired very, very different. Of course they are. Men can only think about one thing at a time. We can only focus on one thing at a time. And it is as straight as a barren highway. Right. You put that, that sign up that says, you know, slight really? curves ahead or windy road. <laughs> we're lost. We are right. done. Yeah. We have lost. Oh, let's go someplace else. We don't know where North went anymore. Everything's all jacked up. Women are like traversing a busy freeway intersection downtown New York with multiple cars going all at the same time. And you guys are, I, I'm impressed and shocked and awe, and I don't want it, but I'm impressed. You I guys impressed. can have all of these thoughts happening all at once. And still guys, function. And still, yeah. If you did that to me, I would literally sit there drooling with my eyes going cross-eyed and my snot coming out of my nose and, and blood running out of my ears because my brain could not handle that. Right. And, and the, the, the challenge here for guys, I, I mean, if, you know, any ladies who are listening, we, we are, we tend to be much more logical about things and not so emotionally based. So for us, for us, for, for guys that are thinking, I can't deal with so much emotion all the time. I don't know how you can deal with so much emotion all the time, like just in a constant, in a constant state. Yep. And so I, I woke up actually, I didn't even tell my wife about this. So, well, she'll figure it out sooner rather than later. I, um, I woke up last night, actually, it was, it was about three in the morning thinking about this very thing. Um, and what I believe, there is absolutely no way I'm going to be able to meet that emotional lead at 100% all the time. 
and I don't think I'm supposed to, but because I mean, if I were to look at it or try and approach it that way, I'm going in trying to fix the problem, right? Right. I've got a leaky boat. You go patch the hole. No more leaky boat. She doesn't need me to fix and patch the leaky boat. That's nice if it happens. Right. But I need to express to her that I understand where she's at. Correct. And I understand that that is important to her and express to her that I do love and and care for her deeply. And while I may not be able to fix it immediately, I recognize that that's important and I'm here with her. And I think really, guys, that's probably the biggest key to that is recognizing where your significant other is and being willing to show up with her. Right. Here's a, here's a, this is a crazy survey question that they ask of women. Now these don't add up to a hundred percent because women could pick all of the answers. So they could check all of the different check boxes that they want. Check all that apply. Check all that apply. So here's the question posed to women. When you are feeling insecure about his love or the relationship, which of the following are true about your feelings? Now, remember, they're feeling insecure about your love or the relationship pretty much every day. All the time. Okay. All the time. All the time. So when you are feeling insecure, which of the following are true about your feelings? 44% of women said they need reassurance. 20% said I might become quite preoccupied until I get that reassurance. Okay. So they'll keep themselves busy, maybe clean the house or whatever. 32% said I withdraw emotionally. Ooh, that's not good. No. 32% say that. 28% say they become depressed. That's also not good. That's very bad. That's very, very bad. 34% said it affects other areas of my life. Don't know what that actually means. Well, I can see that. Yeah. I mean, I can see that too, but they didn't, it doesn't, they don't extrapolate on that. 10% said, said it confirms my suspicion that I'm not very lovable or not worthy of his love. Ouch. Even at 10%, that's, that's wow. Yeah. That's, that's devastating. And, and keep in mind, guys, this is not you cheating on her. This is not you draining the bank account. This is not you, you getting drunk. You you woke up today, guys. <laughs> yes. You just woke up. And you have not expressed to her on an emotional level that she matters to you. Right. Right. There's a go there. There's a couple more here. 26% said, I feel like I'm not valued in his eyes. Wow. said nothing helps. I just need time to process alone. So they don't even need you to come and reassure them. They just need to retreat. Those are probably 9%. We're probably introverts. I'm imagining, but, uh, they, they just need to spend time to process and get over whatever it is that has triggered that their feelings of being insecure, but that's still, wow. But that's still, even that 9% still admit to feeling insecure about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then 18% say, I never feel insecure about his love or the the relationship. Newlyweds. Yeah, those are newlyweds. Or they're they're 90 years old. It's a 90-year-old couple. Harold died 20 years ago. (laughs) At this point, they just don't care, right? (laughs) Um, So, I mean, this is... 
this, this, this question was the one that I said, oh, that's why women are crazy. That, that's how we um, perceive it. That's how, that's how when guys oh, okay. get together, we, we will get together and we'll say, yeah, women are, women are freaking nuts. The same way of the angular attack at reverse, right? It's like, yeah. how do you, right? This, this is like explaining what an angular attack at reverse is. Once you start to understand that there's this, there's these, these insecurities and it can be multiple. It doesn't, you know, some women may have multiple types of insecurities. Some may just have one. If you're fortunate where they have one more power to you fellas. But uh, when they're, when these things get triggered, which they're thinking about this all the time. And then they respond in this way because their emotions are driving them. They don't feel, they don't feel like they're valued anymore or um, you know, they're withdrawing emotionally. They become depressed. This is, this is, this is, uh, it's, it's a recipe for a devastating result. I mean, the, the eventuality of that kind of thing, it's so, okay, let, let me put this another way. And out here, guy, I think if I were to ask most men in a relationship, in any sort of relationship, who is the most important person in your life? Most men would say their wives or girlfriends right. or whomever that would be. I, I, I have no doubt in that. And I, yeah. I believe every single one of you out there, guys, I do. I would follow that up is what have you done today to show her that? And keeping in mind, fellas, that you can't use logic here. You can't, she, she may logically understand that you love her but if she doesn't feel loved so there's a difference there's a difference between knowing that somebody loves you versus feeling that you are loved yep yeah i know some guys are like huh right there's there is a there's there's a difference i know it's hot versus let me touch it and find out if it's hot or not there's a difference there yeah. And, and, and this is, mm-hmm. this is so huge. It's not about her hearing that you love her. It's about her feeling and believing that you do. And I'm telling you guys, I know it sounds daunting and crazy and your head spinning out there right now. Trust me, mine was too, but there are itty bitty little things that we, we as men can and should do. And I'm picking on myself as an example, okay. but when my wife wants to sit down and talk to me in the living room and she starts talking to me, as difficult as that may be for me in that moment, but I can turn the TV off or pause my TV show. I mean, hell, they're all on Netflix or Hulu or whatever it is you're streaming anyway. You can pause it. But just by doing that and turning and looking at her while she's talking to you, that actually does convey some sort of actual interest in, and it's not about what she's saying, it's about her as a person there's another book that i think goes pretty uh well in hand with this one i even if just for informational purposes uh, i'm probably going to butcher the name of it but it's something along the lines of the five languages of love or five love languages something like that it's the five love languages yeah yeah and and, um I, i would encourage if if you if you're a guy out there and and you're maybe you're struggling with the relationship that you're in. And if you're, if you're listening to this right now and you're thinking, wow, this is amazing, but how do I show my wife that she's loved? Well, it helps to understand 
how she feels love because um, there's, let's just take the book at face value, the five languages of love. Let's just take it for the sake of argument. Let's just say that it's accurate. There are five distinct ways that people feel love in a relationship. You know, some people feel love when based on, you know, when you give them small gifts, it's like bringing flowers or chocolates or a little, because you're out and you thought about them and you bring them back something. Right. So that's one. Uh, another one is touch. Sometimes people feel love just by being touched. So they like to sit. And if, if you scratch their arm or massage their back or, you know, just hold, even holding their hand or just, holding you hands. know, yep. massaging their hand, they feel loved by being touched. Another one is words of affirmation, you know, more than just, I love you, right? Honey, you look beautiful today. Those types of things, right? So words of affirmation. Um, another one I think is quality time. And I'm probably going to forget the fifth one. Do you know what the fifth one was? Acts of service. Acts of service. Thank you very much. Acts of service, going to the grocery store for your wife, going to get the dry cleaning, going and picking up the kids, sweeping the floor, doing the dishes, you know, um, cleaning the scrubbing the toilet, those types of things. Those are also, those are also acts of service. Um, and then quality time is just sitting and watching a movie or doing th something along those lines. Mm -hmm. So, and, and this isn't credit. That's an, a, a very useful tool. Like you said, my wife and I read that some time ago and we realized quite early on in reading it, that not only did we receive love on completely different channels, but we also express love on completely different channels. Right. So yeah. I was talking with a, a very good friend and brother here recently who I know he wants to mow his lawn and fix his house and clean up the yard and do all that. And he does that because he loves his wife and family and he wants them to have a presentable and well-kept home. And that's his way of expressing love for them. That's and I service. can tell you that his wife does not receive love in that way right she absolutely okay. does not so by at least her or trying to get her to understand that's his way of expressing that that opens everything up so yeah those two have to to be in sync at least understanding he's not just mowing the lawn and fixing the house and doing all this because he doesn't want to spend time with me it's because he's trying to do all this for me Right, right. You know, during, uh, I'm going to share this story. I thought it was kind of funny. Um, <clears throat> I, I'm the kind of person that I feel love by touch, you know, you know, just, you know, scratching my arm or, you know, holding hands or things like that. Um, yeah, you really wanted to know that, didn't you? Um, and, and during, during COVID all last year during COVID, well, I was in a bad, I was in a bad place. I was in a, you know, my relationship, there was no physical intimacy there at all. And after months and months of being in that kind of, you know, being around somebody that you really care about and there's, there's no, there's no physical contact there as somebody who feels loved by being touched, you just feel further and further apart from, from somebody. And then I could go get a massage. They finally opened up, uh, the, the massage centers and I could go get a massage. I go get a massage once a month. To have somebody put their hands on me was like, I was like, this is what it feels like. Holy crap. And I, <laughs> it was this huge moment of, of elation, right? And it's like, 
oh my god thank you for putting your hands on me right i mean it was like but it was yeah. weird because it was just like it was my massage therapist and, you know and, and yeah there there are rules against um too much elation in the massage <laughs> right, room right, right. <laughs> but uh it was it was uh, it was crazy like i was kind of chuckling to myself you know when i realized the you know the psychological or you know the emotional response to that yep um but it was pretty profound i thought anyway yep. I'm, I'm actually surprised at how easy, how easy I am to please. Uh, I, I definitely receive uh, love in a uh, words of affirmation um, yeah. setting. I very much do. It doesn't take much for me to be happy. <clears throat> um, you just got to tell me every once in a while. And then I'm a good boy and I'll stay yeah. on the porch. Um, but that's not how I express it either. I'm, I'm very much an acts of service kind of guy as well. So um it's interesting that's an interesting yeah. book so so the going back to this one hidden triggers they talk about those hidden triggers that that um that trigger women into feeling this you know this insecurity conflict conflict is definitely one arguing sure. right as sure. soon as you have that conflict um a lot of women will immediately get triggered and they'll feel like oh my god he's, he doesn't love me anymore and what happens as we learned from the prior book, we get into conflict and what do men want to do? We want to retreat, let our emotions subside so that we can come back and actually think about what it is we feel and think about what it is we were arguing about. So we need to let the, the anger subside. So we withdraw. What's another trigger for women? Withdrawal. Withdrawal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So we want to, we want to step away, right? And she immediately gets triggered and oh my God, he doesn't love me anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that those that's an intersection. Yeah. That's like that's like you know, demolition derby time right there. Yeah, that that's bad. That that's a recipe for disaster. Now, they did have a suggestion in this chapter, which I found kind of interesting. And and, and I actually jokingly kind of talked with my wife about as well last night. I think they said um, um, you know, if you're in that moment and you need to men, you need to actually step away, make sure to talk to your wife and say, um, honey, I love, or they didn't say, I love you. They no, wanted to say, say are you. we, or we're okay, we're but okay. I need, and I, <laughs> I told my wife, I said, honey, if we were in an argument and I said, honey, I need to, we're okay, but I need to step away. And she, I said, what would your immediate reaction to that be? She go, Oh, you think we're okay. <laughs> 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 and I laughed. I said, that's exactly what I thought you would say. So I know for me and my relationship, I'm not going to tell my wife in that an argument okay. that yeah. we're okay. But I do know I can say, honey, I love you very, very much, but I need 20 minutes to calm down before I can finish this discussion. Can I please have that from you? And I know my wife, even begrudgingly so, she would say, okay, go cool off. I'll be right here waiting for you when you get back. <laughs> and, and I think it's by, I think it's about putting some, some time around that. Sure. And I think, I think men would be, would, would go a long way to doing some self-reflection and, and look at yourself, look at the past conflicts that you've had with your spouse and try to try to quantify when you've been in those arguments before and you had to step aside, you had to step away what is the average amount of time that you need before you can cool off? Mm -hmm. Because if you know yourself that well, if you know, you know what, I need an hour, maybe you need two hours. Or, then, or, 
wrap it around what what I what I can relate to. Wrap it around a project, honey. Sure. I love. I'm gonna you, go mow the lawn. But I need I need I need a minute. I need time to to wrap my head around. It. I gotta go. Let me go mow the lawn. I need to, I need to do that for me, and I will come back and we'll finish right. this. Okay. I, and I think it's important that you understand that you're able to quantify the amount of time, guys. I'm talking to the guys out there, the guys that you you're able to quantify the amount of time that you need so that you can say, honey, I need an hour. Just give me an hour. I will be back. It's one o'clock. I'm going to be back before two 30 and then I'll be ready. I'll be, I'll be in a better state and I'll be able to talk about this and get through it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Can you give me that hour? And I think you need to talk about this with your spouse before you have these conflicts so that when you do, get, you know that you can say it and she knows that when she hears it, she understands what it is that you're going through. Right, right. You're not escaping. You're you're coming to a mutual understanding in, a, in your relationship that right. you as a man are not in an emotional place to have that conversation. Right. And reassure her you're not escaping from her. Right. You need to get yourself in check. Because remember, this is all about providing reassurance. Correct. So yes, there may be something that we need to iron out in terms of the conflict, but she at least needs to be reassured that you're okay so that you can then deal with what caused the conflict, which could be who picks up the kids tomorrow from school. Mm -hmm. Right. So the, the next thing here, and this troubles me, this, this really troubles me um, because I'm an introvert and a hidden trigger for many women is silence. So when, when men are just quiet, that can be a trigger for some women. And one, I'm an introvert. So I love quiet time, mm -hmm. quiet time. And me are like bread and butter. Mm -hmm. I just, I will happily just sit in a dark room and just think about literally nothing. <laughs> it's glorious. <laughs> it is so glorious and thinking about nothing in pure silence. And yet some women, that's a trigger. Well, and, and think of it this way. If I'm not talking to my, or if I said to my wife, honey, I don't want to converse with you right now. That's a hell of a lot different than saying, I don't want to converse with you right now. Right. And for women, it is about our choice to not want to be with, around with, um, interact with them in particular. It's not about the situation. It's about them. So this is a direct, this is a gut punch when men want to, like you, <laughs> when you don't want to talk and you want to sit in silence and introvert, Dr. Ramirez, um, you're choosing to just shut them out, right? to shut her out. And it's about yeah. her. It's yeah. not because you don't want to deal with this or, or anything else. It's, it's not because you're enjoying your quiet time. It's because right. you would rather not have her a part of your life at that moment. That's how that's perceived. And remember, right. especially in the world of emotion, perception is reality. Yeah. Here's a, you know, you were talking about, or we were just talking about reassuring when you have, when you're in conflict and saying, I need to withdraw. 
uh, but give me some time. So we were just talking about that. In an emotion, they asked this question of women in an emotional conflict. If your husband's significant other initiates a step to reassure you of his love, how much does it help diminish any turmoil you are feeling? So when you say we're okay, <laughs> I need to go away for 30 minutes. So when you reassure them, uh, how much would that, how much would that step of reassurance help you uh, and your feelings? 5% of women said not at all. Right. There are obviously some outliers there. We're okay. The hell we are. Right. The hell, yeah. The hell we are. 34% of women said some, that it some. does help diminish the turmoil that they are feeling. It helps somewhat. 54% mm -hmm. said quite a lot. Right. It helps reassure them. 8% said it solves it. <laughs> so again, 95% of respondents, your, your, your significant other probably falls in the vast majority of the 95% category here. Nine, so even just trying to reassure that we are okay, what, however that looks for your spouse, that she's not going to rip your head off <laughs> <right>? <laughs> when you say it. So you need to, you need to figure out your safe word when you're in a conflict to let her know that you're, you know, that you're reassuring her. If you do that, you are probably not wrong because 95% of women in this survey, it helps even some, even some, some of it. Mm -hmm. So yes, maybe they're going to need some more reassurance when you come back. Right. But overall, it's going to go a long way to keeping a healthy relationship going. And, so I think and, that's huge. It is huge. And every guy out there, I know you've heard this. It's not what you said, but how you said it, right? Yeah. So you can't just say, yeah, we're fine. I got to go. That's not reassuring her at all. But genuinely impressing upon her the sincerity of your opinion that your relationship is going to survive and that you genuinely love and appreciate her but you need your space for to calm yourself or whatever that may be. That's yeah. what matters. And, and here's the flip side to this, because there might be some guys thinking, well, my wife still isn't going to let me withdraw. She's still going to be, you know, ah, crazy about it or whatever. So they asked this question to women. They said, suppose you and your husband's significant other are in the middle of an emotional conflict. And he eventually says, I don't want to talk about this right now. If he were to add a reassurance such as, I want you to know that we're okay, would that make you more or less likely to be able to give him space? Choose one answer. 43% of, of respondents said much more likely. 43% of respondents said more likely. So 83% of respondents yeah. basically said that helps. Yeah, I, I'm more likely... I'm now more likely or much more likely. I'm so I'm likely to give him the space that he needs. Yep. And this is why I think it's so important to talk about this with your, with your spouse before you have the conflict mm -hmm. so that when you do make that approach and you, so that she'll know, she'll think, oh yeah, I remember we talked about this. He's going to need that space and she'll be, she'll probably even be more apt to give you that, that withdrawal time. Yep. 2% of women said less likely. Guys, if you're with that 2%, just end it. Just end it now. <laughs> run for the hills. Just go. Okay. And 12% said it would have no relevance. Okay. Again, 2% run for the hills. Run for your life. Just run.
Yeah, she's a fighter and she wants to fight. She wants to fight you. Mm-hmm. You deserve better. I'm joking. Don't take <laughs> my <advice>. <laughs> Maybe that works for you guys. Okay. <laughs> Maybe well. it works. Maybe you like that, right? You Maybe guys it have... leads to some drop down knockout sex I, that you're yeah, having. That, I wasn't going to go there, but yeah, I was going to say angry you know, sex. I know. Guys, if that's your lady, you probably already have a safe word figured or out. Or you're in a so. biker gang. <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> but uh, genuinely, guys, really, it's for this one, really understanding it's not about what you say, it's how you say it. It's not about telling her that you love her, it's about making her feel loved. And I know this is tough for guys. This was this was hard for me to wrap my head around, but um, yeah, logic and just straightforward talk does not apply here. It really doesn't. It's all about emotional impact. Yeah. There, there's another there's another thing that that I thought was really, I, I still have I still have trouble wrapping my head around this because I I still fundamentally don't believe it, but I'm gonna take their I'm gonna take their word for it. Um, when, so women were saying that when they're upset, they don't, they don't, they don't need space. Women described it, that they really need a hug. And so see, I told you, I told you, I told you, um, here, here was, okay. Go ahead. I'm sorry. So there is a qualifier here. Now they use the term upset. Now, right. there is a very, very big difference. Married guys out there, you, you have know to define upset. Where I'm what, at. So what does upset when, mean? When you say upset, right, that is not the same as pissed off. Right. Because when my wife is pissed off, I can tell you right now, the last thing I have the testicular fortitude to do is it's try and go up and give her a hug because I'm probably going to get belted in the face and <laughs> she doesn't want me to do that. Right. So you, at least I don't believe so. I will qualify that and come back next week. Okay. And I'll confirm that, but I'm pretty yes, damn please sure. Do. Go pick wife, a fight with her. Go pick a no, fight with her. And I then... will just ask. Okay. <laughs> I, I was born in the morning, but it wasn't yesterday morning. I don't need to go do it the stupid way. I really um, think you need to practice this and try it out in a wife, real world setting. And no, no, no. I like to avoid confrontation with my wife wherever mm. possible. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. I, but when she's emotionally upset, I can give her I say, honey, I'm sorry. I love you. Let me give you a hug. Can I give you? And, and I ask permission because I also know that if my wife really doesn't want me to touch her right now, she will tell me, no, I don't want you to touch me right now. Okay. And yes. then I just sit quietly and, and we can finish having our, but at least she knows if nothing else that I'm willing to show her affectionate touch, which for my wife, she is a physical touch going back to the five love languages person. She very much is. So if she really doesn't want it, then I really doesn't try it. Because I also know with her being a physical touch person, if I don't genuinely mean that and I just kind of haphazardly touch her hand or anything else, that 
lackadaisical emotion transfers in that touch. She picks up on that very, very quickly. So there's a hypersensitivity to the negative side to that too. Right. There's a, so this is a book that came out through, uh, through one of the focus groups that they did. <clears throat> and they actually shared this comment at a conference. And the, the, the comment is this. Some woman said, a, a woman, a respondent participant said this. All I want is, all I want is him to know that half the time, half the time. <laughs> all, I, all I want is, we talked about upset versus being pissed. Right. So you have to figure out half the, which half of the time is she upset versus half the time that she's pissed. She's pissed the F off. Right. Right. So all I want is him to know that half the time I'm just as confused as he is. Instead of getting upset and leaving me alone to calm down, I just want him to come close and give me a, and give me a huge hug and let me know he loves me and he wants me to feel better. And when they said this, I thought this was funny. When they said this, they, they shared this comment at a marriage conference. One man shouted out, you mean hug the porcupine? Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> all the men laughed and then looked astonished when all the women shouted yes and started clapping. Yeah. Um, so again, I don't know how much I believe this. And again, I think it's trying to figure out the definition of upset for your woman. Yes. Because yes. if you don't know what the definition of upset is for your woman, then you're effed. Well, well, there you're just wading into dangerous waters. You yes. could be if you try to go up to give them a hug. You're you're hugging the porcupine. Yeah. Now, believe me, if you ask, I think most of the time, most, not all, but most of the time, she will receive that from you. And that is a reassurance. And I would say, men out there, it is a safe bet to ask, honey, I know you're very upset. Can I give you a hug? And I know that sounds really Mr. Mackey, but I don't know if that's going to work. I don't know. I don't know. And I want people to, I want people to, to respond. I would like to know from people if that would actually help, because that to me is kind of like asking her on a first date, can I kiss you? You, you, well, because I know okay. a lot of women will say, don't, if you have to ask me, I don't want you to kiss me. So I, I think that if you're in that situation that you have to ask, honey, can I give you a hug that women will say, if you have to ask, then you shouldn't be hugging me. Well, <laughs> that's how I, that's what I think is going to happen, but I don't know. I don't know this. So I need some, I need I, some I think data on this. You might be pleasantly surprised. Now, I will say that there are well, guys out there. If, sure if, you, be. if you know your wife is pissed, like she's got one hand reeled back and she's yeah. got her face snarled and she and you can tell she really wants to punch you in the face or if she's wielding a knife. That's probably not the best time to ask. Can I have a hug? That's right. probably <laughs> bad. I would say don't do that. Yeah. But at least while you're developing in this area of your relationship, I'd say that is a very safe bet. And I would be willing to be believe you might be surprised at how often that could potentially de-escalate a situation. Well, I, I, I'm curious. I, I'm curious. I don't. What I don't, I don't agree with is when the woman said that more often or at least half the time, yeah. they're just as confused as the men. 
I no, call they're not. bullshit. I call no. bullshit on that one too. I, no. That no. part, I absolutely disagree because I know, and ladies, if you're out there listening to me, how many times you've been in an argument with your husband or- And you or know you're spouse, right. And you, not only do you know you're right, but he's got the dumbfounded, confused look on his face like, what the hell? Where am I? What just right. happened? Right. I don't understand. And we you're going to tell me that half the time you're just as confused? You're no, confused? Uh, yeah. No. I'm not buying that. I don't buy that either. So you yeah, might you be can... confused at why he's confused because to you, it's blatantly <laughs> obvious. <laughs> you're confused about now, two separate things. That I can agree with. Because <laughs> I've heard my wife. How do you not know what I'm talking about? And I go, bec- bec- because I have no idea. What do you mean? But yeah, no guy. That's not an act. Ladies guys are genuinely confused. 90% of the time. Yeah. Per- particularly about what you're upset about. So another thing that you can do is if she need, and we talked a little bit about this earlier, if she needs to talk about the relationship, do your best to listen without becoming defensive. Uh, you know, we talked about, you know, if she wants to come and talk about the relationship, she's not necessarily coming to say that you did anything wrong. Um, and, and by reading this, it feels like they don't really go into how much, how many women are just wanting to talk about the relationship and are not upset, but it kind of feels like when you read the chapter, it feels like the vast majority of time, probably upwards 60, 75% of the time, there's nothing necessarily wrong with the relationship. She just wants to talk about it. Right. So she's not and, coming to attack you. She just wants to talk about it. And, and this, as men, we have to not feel defensive like we did something wrong. We have to try to think that way. Yep. That that was that was tough. Um, but eye-opening for me. Because yes, when my wife says we need to talk, I'm like, oh shit. I mean, it's obviously I did something wrong, or I'm on the path to do something <laughs> wrong, or she thinks I has that I have to explain. No, I really didn't. I automatically go into defensive mode because, well, why wouldn't I? I care about that, so I'm going to defend it. I haven't done anything wrong, so I'm going to defend my actions. It's not about that. And most of the time, she's not talking about events in the relationship. She wants reassurance and understanding in how she feels about it or what some things may have caused her to feel. Again, guys... We're not talking about logical step-by-step moments. We're talking about the emotions that she feels and ties from now all the way back through your entire relationship. Yeah. Or even before you guys even met, all of that stuff ties together. She wants reassurance and understanding in the emotional attachment she has, not the logical application of what has transpired. Here's, here's a, here's a, here's a question. Here's a a statement from one woman. And I tend to, I tend to believe this because it came from a woman and not you. So when we talked about, what does that mean? Well, you'll, you'll understand in a minute. Oh, okay. Remember when we talked, when you just said, honey, can I give you a hug? Um, and, and then, you know, if they say yes, you can give them a hug. And this is why I don't believe you. Okay. What this woman says right here, she provided this explanation because this is, you know, if she's being difficult, Women don't want you to just give up if she's being difficult. They want you to keep pushing. So with some content, hold on, hold on, hold on, wait, hold that, hold that, hold that, hold that. Just listen to this for just a moment and we'll talk about it. So she provide one woman provided this explanation that says here, you have to realize if a woman says, I need to hear that you love me, 
and the guy dutifully says, I love you, well, that's essentially meaningless. Like she made him say something he didn't feel. So if she's feeling confused and neglected and really does want to be assured of his feelings, she can't just ask. She goes on to say, and if they are at odds, she's maybe a little mad at him. So when he approaches, when he approaches her, she pushes him away, even though closeness is what she most wants. But if he'll put aside his pride and try again, if he'll risk grabbing her hand and saying something like, don't go away, I want to know what's wrong, that will break through her defenses. It tells her that no matter how she's feeling right then, whew, he really does love her. Now, your wife may rip your head off, but I'm thinking that I think that there are a lot of women out there who follow this they might be mad. They might say, no, don't touch me. They might push away. But I think for a lot of women, this is a test to try to see, is he really, does he really care about me? Does he really trying to break through my defenses and reassure me that he loves me? Go ahead. You're chomping at the bit. Oh, I was just waiting patiently <laughs> because I do know actually it, it, and in this book, it talks about, and where you're pulling this exact example from, is in reference to what women lovingly call or what they did in here as the pursuit. And this is. This isn't different. under the pursuit. This is not under the pursuit. You're a liar. I'm not a liar. I'm <laughs> looking at it. <laughs> I, I do believe that women in when you are first courting your significant other, you are pursuing her. And you are actively trying to gain her affection. And, and men out there, you always know, you're always trying to win the wife. And you think that when you actually get married, you won. This goes back to what we were talking about. The race is never over. Right. And so they want to see that they are someone that you are willing and wanting to constantly pursue that you are willing and wanting and constantly trying to win their affection. And they need to feel like you're willing to continually fight for them. And while I understand what you're saying, this specific passage has nothing to do with the pursuit. This specific passage is about those conflicts that women and men have. And it's, they're literally talking about when she's aggravated and they're pushing you away and they're being difficult and they're being resistant when you're, this is the approaching the porcupine and trying to give her that hug. This is separate from the constant pursuit. This is literally in those moments of conflict. And that's why I think that this, there's something here. I think if a, th this goes back to what she said in, in the beginning of the passage, if she says, I want to hear that you love me. And then you say, well, I love you. She's not going to believe you because she gave you the answer. So she needs to feel that response. And yes. that's what she's talking about here. So when you're in conflict and if you approach her and she backs off, like, don't touch me. There are many women. I'm not saying it's all, I'm not saying it's universal, but I think there are a lot of women out there that they're doing that to see, is he going to literally come and try to make amends? How much is he caring about this here? Or is he just trying to appease me? So it's remember, it's not about 
it's, it's not about just overpowering her necessarily. This is about reassurance. This is about coming forward in a very loving way to reassure her. So when you're in conflict with her, you remember you're triggering these insecurities that she has and she needs to feel that you deeply do care. So yeah, she might be resistant at first, right? but are you going to break through it? And again, I think it goes back to the thing. If you have to ask, then you probably, you, you're, you're not, you're just looking for the answer to the test. You're not actually reaping, reaching deep down to show her and give her the reassurance. That's what they're looking for there. Right. And, and now I understand what you're getting at. I, and I think in the example you're talking about where she's like, back off, I don't want you to touch me. This is the moment where guys, you say, okay, and stay there. This, and I think the warning that, that Jeff Shanti's husband is actually is the, the voice and talking through this. This is not where you go, well, then fine, hell with this, and Correct. turn around and Correct. leave and retreat and go there, to the man are, cave. And don't yes. do that. This is the point where you stand. You don't have to overpower, say, well, I'm going to do it anyway. That's not what they're looking for. They no. just want to see that you're not going to say to heck with it and give up. Right. But I think this pairs nicely with when women say, if only he knew that I wanted him to give me a hug. I think there are a lot of women that want that. But again, this isn't universal. And I think you need to talk. Sure. Guys, you can't just read this book in isolation. You got to you gotta read this book and point to this and go, honey, what do you think about this? In a calm situation, what would you, you know, what do you, what do you look at? Is this true? Would you want me to continue? You have to have that conversation because yes, your wife may not want you to touch her, but your wife probably has other ways of being reassured. And so you have to, why are you laughing? Because uh, you have, you have to understand your wife to understand what is going to cause her to be reassured. And if, and if your wife falls under that category that she wants to be hugged, well, then you should hug her. If your wife falls under the category of some other method of reassurance, then you should find that other method of reassurance to give it to her. So why, what's so funny about that? No, I, there's nothing funny about that. Hey, here's, here's the, so you talk about reading this book in isolation. No, Guys, I'm talking about no, not reading it. I know, I know, I know, I know, okay. I know. Okay, take, <laughs> simmer down. <laughs> Guys, you cannot use this like a troubleshooting guide for your TV, for your tarp, okay. for your car, right? It's, it, it's you not, can't. you can't, it's not going to work. And guys, I get it. That's how we read. That's how we look at stuff. Correct. All right. I've got problem a, my TV won't turn on. I flip to the troubleshooting guide. TV won't turn on unplug, replug. Okay. There it goes. Great. Right. Fix the problem. Throw the book away. I got this. See, there are a, I fixed there, the TV. There you are a lot of truths here, but you have to yes. quantify them about what makes sense with the person that you're with. Again, ladies live in a state of emotional connectivity. Angular attack at reverse. If they are angry, <laughs> they will tie that in their brain to 101 other times where they've been angry and all of those triggers for what made them angry about those then get tied to that as well. Yeah. So you cannot say red wire goes to the red plug every time. 
sometimes you have to go through four or five other channels to yeah. get it the right place. So guys, keep in mind, you have to be open to listening to what your wife is trying to tell you she emotionally needs in that moment. Correct. And then genuinely try to express that. Correct. Is that tricky? Yes. Is that dangerous? Yes. Is that tumultuous? Yes. Is she worth it? I sure as hell hope so. Not if she's the part of that 2%. That doesn't... Well, now I'm not even going to do that. But I think <laughs> ladies in our lives, yeah, they're worth that. Is that going to be easy? No, not at I'm gonna, all. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to say one thing because I, I, I think okay. there's, there are people that, um, that are in relationships that they don't need to be in those relationships. And, and, and I, and I, while I fundamentally believe that these books can be some, a great source of talking to your spouse and understanding certain things. I also think that some people just shouldn't be together. And I think that by reading these books, I think one of two things is going to happen for people. I think in one hand, it will be eye-opening for them. And they're going to understand more about themselves. Even reading, even reading this one, I learned a lot about myself as well, because I couldn't help but think about past conflicts and how I responded and how she was responding. I couldn't help that. Mm -hmm. Right. But I also think fundamentally that by reading these books, there might be some people that say, you know what? I understand her a little bit more and I, or him, right. I understand my spouse a little bit more, but I don't want to be with them anymore. And I think that's, I think that's a huge possibility. And I think that's a, I think that is an absolute possibility. And I think, I still think people will be better off if they make that conclusion through a pathway like this. I think that will, I think it'll help them become better individuals. And I think will help them become a better spouse in a future relationship. But I think that there's a very big possibility that two people might read these books or even one person and say, you know what? I loved them. I learned a lot about my spouse. I learned a lot about me. And I'm realizing that we are not to be together. And I think that's a possibility that people have to accept. Wow. I, 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 I suppose you're right. Um, well, and here, and here's why I say that. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Because if you don't think about that, remember there's another person in this relationship. What if the other person has that, has that conclusion, but you don't. Mm -hmm. So I think it, I think you have to, you have to consider that possibility that maybe even your spouse, if you do this together, right. Or you, you, they, she's reading this book, he's reading this book right? That your spouse might come to the conclusion that, well, then I don't want to be with you anymore. I've had this epiphany about myself and I don't want to be in this relationship anymore. And I want out. You're the other person. And you're hoping that maybe these books will give you good conversation to help build and strengthen your relationship. If you don't even consider that possibility, then you're not going to understand yourself and how you're going to respond 
if your spouse decides that she wants that he or she wants to walk away and you would be, be right the military runs drills in case shit happens right we buy auto insurance in case shit we don't want we hope that we never have to use the auto insurance the auto insurance when shit goes south but better that you have it and better that you thought about what you would do when you were in a car accident and how you would proceed then it just be an absolute surprise. Sure. Sure. Well, and I can, I can tell you with a hundred percent certainty that, um, in reading at least the first book, um, for women only, and then starting this next one for men only, it is overwhelmingly apparent that in order for that relationship to be successful, if you're looking to this, there has to be mutual effort on both parties. Otherwise, there there's little to no hope to be gained from any of that um do i think that they still can offer one party um a greater understanding of themselves and their spouse yes but um these will not save a marriage or save a relationship no, they will not they will um, not save both parties have to be open to put in the effort just and in any marriage any relationship mm-hmm. both parties have to be willing to put in the effort to actually make that work I think these are phenomenal tools that can really shed a lot of light on that. But again, it's relationships are not one-sided. Right. And I'll use my, my, myself as an example. When I read this book, I I mean, you know, that I just, you know, a few months ago got out of a long-term relationship and, um, um, and, and that relationship was really over a, a long time prior to that before it was actually over um there were these two books helped me understand so much more about myself that all they did was solidify even though i was able to understand certain things in that prior relationship a little bit better and even though i was able to understand myself in that prior relationship and myself today by reading these books it also solidified for me oh yeah there's no way in hell i would go back to that Mm-hmm. right? There's no way in hell. So if I had read this book, let's say in January, these books in January, they probably would have led me to end that relationship even sooner than I did because it was such a big, I couldn't, you, you can't read these books and not think about your significant other, or at least even if maybe you're single right now, you can't help but read and, and think about prior relationships and, and situations that you've been in. And so by reading these books, it really affirmed to me that that relationship was dead. There's no resurrecting it. There's no way in hell I would go back to it. She could crawl on her knees back and ask and beg and borrow and steal and cry. And I would say, there's no way in hell I'm crossing that bridge again. But that was so, that was such, that was a good thing for me to go through that and to really have that you know, cause I was already in that state where I wasn't going to go back. You know, I mean, sure. you know, I was already in, I'd already crossed that bridge, but then when I read these books, it helped me understand so much more about myself that I was able to say, yeah, there's no way that's going to happen. Well, so let me, let me ask you this, and maybe you're not mm-hmm. the best example, but at least for some of our, our listeners out there, yeah. um, who maybe you're, you're in a, <clears throat> excuse me, a relationships that is going through some turmoil right now. Sure, and sure. if if one party reads these books, do you feel that by 
getting your significant other to go along and read their those books with you that they can actually offer a place to salvage that so and, and i'll use your relationship as an example and, and understanding maybe it's not you said if yeah. you'd have read these in january it would have solidified it for you is it possible then in that same line of thinking that if you just said hey significant other mm-hmm. i'd really don't want to lose this relationship. I feel that we're on a, a path that might end that way. Are you willing to read these books? If she would have done that, do you think there could have been enough enlightenment there to salvage that? No, I don't. I don't believe that. And I, and I um, for me per- personally, you know, personally for me, I don't believe that. Um, and, and, and that's because even if she were willing to, and even if she would have said, okay, yeah, I'll read them just to, just to see. The, the realization that I came to in my experience was about me, not in the, and it wasn't about trying to, you know, oh, here's how I could have fixed it. And it wasn't, you know, I didn't have that sense of, oh, now I understand. So maybe I can go back and I can fight for that relationship and make it better. It actually, so there's a difference there in, in the sense that it really opened my eyes to who I was as an individual. And it made me realize a lot of things about our, about that prior relationship that it made it easier to say all of the, to actually not only see, but understand all of the different signs that were there that just, it wasn't a good relationship from the very beginning. And so this book really helped me to understand that. Um, and so in my unique situation, and it's only my unique situation, it solidified me to walk away. Now, I think for those couples who are going through something very, very serious and they're in turmoil, if those, re- if those relationships were built on something fundamentally good, then I think you're right. I think that if both people are willing and they do love each other and they're trying to make this work and they're trying to go back and say, you know what, we had a good foundation at one point. Let's see if we can remodel the house, right? Uh, upon which our foundation, our relationship is built. I think then that's there. My foundation was not a good foundation. Right, right. It was, <clears throat> it was, a very, it was like trying to build a building on mud. The foundation was not solid. It was not a good foundation from the very beginning. Um, and so it was really doomed to fail. And so there were a lot of signs in my relationship of people telling me, these are not good signs. This is not a good foundation. And I overlooked it. Yep. But this book helped me understand and come to terms and saying, yes, I now recognize that that foundation was terrible. And I, and it was time for me to move on. But if your relationship was built on something, on a good foundation, on good values, on good principles and all of that, then yes, I think these books are going to be tremendous in helping you understand and understand each other and be able to come back to one another. Absolutely. Would I agree with that? Yes. Yep. And, and I, I genuinely believe that too. And I, I think you wrap that pretty succinctly. So, um, I think a lot of couples who are out there struggling probably know that or recognize it in the back of their mind, um, but genuinely don't know how to go about 
addressing very simple issues. And right. of, of course, if you are in a crisis in your, um, your relationship, seek professional counsel. And I mean Absolutely. that genuinely Ab- seek a professional counselor to at, to work with you on that. If you and your spouse are on rocky ground and you're not sure these are phenomenal resources and tools for you to open up dialogue and conversation with a potentially unique understanding of one another. And yeah. I think that they could be a huge help. And, and if you, and if you've ended a relationship and you you're done with the relationship and you're trying to move on, they can be a tremendous help in understanding yourself and how somebody and how somebody else operates so that you can have better, build a better foundation in a future relationship uh, and have more meaningful conversations to really start that relationship off on the right footing so that things don't crumble and you go down a, a path that you a don't want to be down road. again. Right, right. Right. Yeah. Understanding yourself. Again, this tremendous understanding yourself. Because even reading this, again, this chapter was so eye-opening for me because yes, um, you know, my significant others at the time may have responded in a certain way, but it, I also remembered how I responded mm-hmm. and, and what it made me think of was, oh shit, I responded in a very bad way before. Right. So how do I tweak my thinking so that I change my behavior? So in the future, if somebody were to do something similar, I won't immediately go into a bad place. Right. Right. And, and, and create yeah. a gigantic and become a volcano where this explodes out of proportion. Yep. I did the exact same thing, even reading this first chapter in, in recognizing it's not about what I said. It's not about Correct. what I did because Correct. that's always my immediate defense. What did I say? What did right. I do? Oh right. my gosh. Why am I always on the, I feel like I'm constantly on trial for what right. the heck did I do? That was so terribly bad for you. Right. And now we just created conflict. It has nothing to do with what I said or what I did. It's how I made her feel. Right. And, and that is, I didn't, I always heard that, but I never recognized the impact. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and, and remember you can always control, we have a better ability to control ourselves. Yes. You might understand a little bit more how your wife responds. And maybe there are guys out there and they, and they know Maybe they'll push this for their wives or their significant others, and they don't want to read it. I'm sure there are women out there who will not read this, but the guys are finding some value out of this. So if, if your wife isn't going to listen to it, well, then maybe you'll respond better. And there's a flash flood warning. Yeah. <laughs> that's what that's about. My yeah. phone just blown up on a flash flood warning here in Phoenix. So, uh, yeah, it'll be, a uh, That'll be interesting. So yeah, if, even if your wife isn't going to read it, you might be able to, you know, change your own behavior and make, make amends, sure. you know, and treat her in a different way that does, that does good for your relationship. So there's also that. Absolutely. All right. Good talk. Yeah. I think we pretty much uh, killed that one. So, yeah. <laughs> so as always, Remember, you can find all of our stuff at fusionunderground.net. We post all of our videos out there. We post all of the audio files for our podcast. You can find them there. You can also find them wherever you can get a podcast. So go out to YouTube. You search for fusionunderground.net. You'll find us on YouTube. You'll find us on Spotify, Anchor, Breaker, 
uh, Google Podcast, Stitcher. We're on all kinds of, on all platforms. But again, fusionunderground.net will point you to all the places that you want to you want to get to all of our stuff, send us hate mail at contact at fusionunderground.net. Really interested to, to hear about any kind of hate mail coming. I'd like to hear people, I'd love to hear from women and how we completely screwed up the assessment of how women think. Oh, I would love that. I absolutely <laughs> love it. And and I'm I'm being 100 percent genuine. genuine. I yeah. really am. Um, I, I believe me. This has given me a little bit of insight, but there is no way in hell I'm going to ever be able to figure out how women think and tick. It's just helpful. But it is incredibly helpful and insightful. It's, it was, yeah, it was definitely insightful, definitely eye-opening. Um, and I'm sure I'm going to get all of it 100% wrong. Well, yeah, point. we're guys. <laughs> <laughs> we were wrong from birth. Didn't you yes. figure that out by now? <laughs> For Jason Moret, I'm Manuel Ramirez. You've been listening to the Fusion, the, to the Fusion Underground. Peace, we're late. Have a good night. <laughs>